Hey listener, sending you a message in this valuable intro space is not a decision I take lightly. So just a reminder, if you've enjoyed past episodes of this episode and are getting value from it, share this episode or this show with at least one friend today, whether in person, online, on socials, wherever you feel it makes sense. I truly appreciate it. In my car at night in Silver Lake. This sounds so sketch, by the way. Across the street from a restaurant. Why did we do it that way? Podcast Junkies, episode 268. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. Newcomers, this is the most exciting show in the podosphere where I talk to exciting podcast hosts who are doing really interesting things with their shows and luminaries in the podcasting space. I've been grateful to have so many interesting and wide-ranging conversations, and it's what keeps me excited every time I turn on that mic and hit record. This week, I get to speak to an old friend in the podcasting space, Esprit Devora. She was a guest on the show way back in 2016, I believe it was, and I think it's episode 73, so I'm going to have to double check that, but that should be about right. She comes back on for this week, and she's been doing so many great things in the space, and it's been fun to watch her progress, her success uh, seeing her in early days of Clubhouse, joining rooms with her. Her energy is unmatched, and I just can't say enough good things about uh, my friend Esprit. So for those of you who don't know, she wears many hats. She was listed by Inc. Magazine as the top 30 women in tech to follow. Harper's Bazaar says her podcast is in the top 10 to listen to. And she was actually one of the faces of the Clubhouse icon, which is one of the most influential audio social apps. And that's been fun to watch as well. In this episode, we share our experiences as podcasters and what has us most excited about this industry. And as much as I felt like I was late to the game in 2014, given what I've seen and experienced in the past year or two, it just feels like there's just another bigger wave coming in terms of visibility, in terms of people entering the podcasting space, people starting shows, people needing help with shows. And it's just exciting to watch, and it's some of the things we've talked about. I'm grateful to Esprit for opening up about uh, her childhood and how her experiences shaped her into the passionate advocate that she is now. And Esprit herself provides encouragement for all podcasters who may be struggling or frustrated to stay the course and even provides an inspirational story or two, so you'll have to listen out for that. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 268. Don't forget, I'm looking for new reviews on the show to read out during this intro. If you're a long-time listener or a first-time listener and you've gotten value from the show, rate this podcast.com forward slash podcast junkies, and I'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. Another reminder that if you are looking for new podcast apps to try, that's the domain newpodcastapps.com, and it's some of the newer apps that support direct contribution to your favorite podcaster, including me. Regular listeners will know that as a podcast about podcasting, about the podcasting industry, I'm always looking for new and inventive ways to share messages, to share the gratitude I have for the sponsors that come on the show. So if you noticed last week, we've got a new sponsor for these upcoming episodes, and that's Patreon. 
Patreon actually holds a special place in my heart because as I started this show in 2014, it's one of the first accounts I set up a Patreon page, which I didn't put enough time into. But what I did wanted to make sure I was doing was supporting my friends at the time. And funny enough, my very first Patreon donation was to Esprit Devora. So it's funny how things come back full circle. 2014, I contributed to her show first and so I'm honored to be working with them now. So something I'm trying this episode is giving you a heads up that the next two promos are for the sponsors for the show. And I invite you to take the time to listen to them because these are sponsors that allow us to keep the show going, Patreon and Focusrite for this specific episode. And then after those two ad reads, you'll get to hear the entire interview with Esprit Uninterrupted. Trying something out new, would love your feedback on that, and I appreciate you and your time. This episode is brought to you by Patreon. Creating a successful podcast shouldn't involve compromising your vision. Over 25,000 independent podcasters have found a home on Patreon, and that's because at Patreon, people power your podcast, not advertisers or networks. On Patreon, your listeners subscribe to your show for access to exclusive benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. And in exchange, you earn reliable, predictable income independent of ads and network deals and a deeper relationship with the listeners who never miss an episode. You can build and grow your podcast your way without having to sacrifice your vision for the big guys. Start your Patreon today at patreon.com. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag, but let's get into round two with the always lively and enjoyable Esprit Devora. So I want to record because we're just going to jump into this. And, yeah, uh, we are. Hi. Oh, let me plug in my phone. Still got your trusty ATR, I see. Oh, I know. I don't know. I don't upgrade. I, I, I looked at the whole Joe Rogan cloud. I don't know. I just don't. I have so many mics. I just, I don't know. I don't upgrade. How many mics do you have? A lot. I have three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven. I would imagine I have somewhere between... 10 to 15 mics. And you just stick with the ATR? I mean... People send you mics probably, I'm sure, by now, right? I mean, you know, I, I built an action sports media company. So I a lot of my gear is from my sports company. And then the ATR... No, the Snowball was my first podcasting mic. And then I upgraded to the ATR 2100. And then I inherited two Yetis. And then I was gifted a Samsung G-Track Pro. And then eventually I found the, it's like M- MV88 from Sure that plugs into your oh, yeah, yeah. your iPhone, which is a pretty amazing mic. <laughs> and then at one point I bought these no brandless lapel mics from Instagram to the connect to my Zoom H1 that are amazing with a splitter. Plus I have the Rode lapel for iPhone. And then like a whole bunch of like, you know, PV, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, the (laughs) P-E-A-V-Y one. Yeah, like, I mean, there's so many. There's just so many. It's raining mics. (laughs) 
Did you miss the rainbow earbuds one you're wearing? Oh, that has a mic probably. That oh, that is true. The, my bows, yeah, it it does count. My bows, those are bows. Yeah, my bows headphones. So Esprit's wearing rainbow colored bows headphones. Yeah, for those who can't watch along at home. Yeah, I mean, if you are watching along, I apologize for my non shower. My like it, you know, just show up to life and ship it. <laughs> I actually have not upgraded to the video yet because I've been. Waiting for some time to test it out. Probably today would have been a good time to test it out, see if we could break it. Oh, wait. So we're not recording video? No, we're not recording video. Get out of town. I feel so much better that none of you are seeing my <laughs> unshowered, disheveled, I show up to all my interviews this way self. We're going to do a screenshot. Ready? We could do a screenshot. It's right now. Okay, hey. Yeah, yeah. Wait. One, two. Okay. <laughs> That's sufficient, sufficiently <laughs> cheesy enough, I think. Do one more. Do a smiley one. Okay. Well, that one was pretty good. <laughs> that All one right, looks so ridiculous. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, hold on. Let me get another <laughs> one. Ready? One, two. Okay. You're probably too young to even know about going to the studio and getting portraits done. I don't think I ever did that. But yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. I've had photo shoots. <laughs> no, but I'm like, when you're little, you're, they take you to these weird studios. And then the, the guy's like... He's like, oh, yeah, I've seen stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast junkies, I am back. Hello. It is years later, but I'm still just as disheveled doing things out of my car on the go and so excited <laughs> to be here with the infamous Harry Duran. That's a that's like a little little trivia. Like, where was the first interview on Podcast Junkies like recorded? In my car at night in Silver Lake. This sounds so sketch, by the way. <laughs> it totally Across the street sketch. from a restaurant. Why did we do it that way? We went to, I wanted to do it outdoors and we went to uh, Intelligentsia. Yeah. And it was just like packed and there was like um, no table. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like weird. I mean, so let's make it weirder. So we just went in your car and recorded. Yeah. But the sound is good because it's, the acoustics are perfect. Because it's in, in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Just jumping into it for a second. Do you think with Joe Rogan and like all the other fancy dancy podcasters and all the blog posts, how important really is a mic? I think at least a decent one is important. I mean, the quality is getting better. I mean, I've I've heard I've had conversations on Bluetooth. I'm listening on Bluetooth now, but uh, I'm using the Samson Q2U. And uh, yeah, I mean, I understand like for most people, they're not going to be that discerning i think when it gets bad if it's like if it's like noisy a lot of like a like a um, air conditioning going on like a background hum like really really shitty telephone audio but i think i mean just regular audio actually sounds decent nowadays and if you do want to take it to the next level then just the thing is it doesn't take a lot of work to like fix your audio where's the question come from because I think that we all get caught up, me included. I think we all get caught up. Like I'm at the stage where like I've been a professional podcaster for what, seven, eight years? No, eight or nine years. And like- Congrats. Thanks. And I find that, you know, I'll get on an interview and I won't have, you know, the top of the line mic. And I'm like, do I look like not professional because I don't have a top of the line mic? You know. Depends on the audience. Well, if the content is good, it doesn't matter. And this this episode is going to be so 
so far that doesn't we could be like dialing in on a dial-up modem and it'd still be good I'm always wondering every time you're on camera if you are actually like on a patio. I know. Or you just put that like is the IV that I. I'm so lucky, right? No, this. Okay, so pre pandemic, yeah. like pre pandemic, I just, the only reason I have this up is there's a huge crack in my wall. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. And so. I put that up. I was going to put it on the other side is my point. I was going to put it on like the window side, but I was like, mm, it'd be really great to cover the crack. So we'll just put it on that wall instead. And then it just, and then the world ended and we all ended up on zoom and I'm like, and I have this amazing background. I'm like, well, that worked out for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for the benefit of the listener, she's got an awesome Ivy colored wall there that she probably water needs to water every day, right? To keep it fresh. It's fake. It looks real. <laughs> I inherited it from a startup that was moving. And okay. so they got the like high end fancy real yeah, fake yeah, yeah. stuff. So it totally looks real. I'm very lucky. Yeah. And we did take a picture. So look around on Twitter. You'll see that yeah. photo. Of yeah. So you were asking me about uh, sound quality. Yeah. I just, I think when I show up to interviews with my ATR 2100, which is an amazing beginner mic, but it's an amazing mic in general. I remember when I was doing my early research on podcasting and they would compare the Audio-Technica 2100 to other more expensive mics and the difference was not that different. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm like, that sounds great. And now I still use that. I use a combination of things at times, but this is pretty much the mic I rely on as a podcaster. And I think when people show up and I don't have the Joe Rogan mic, it's like, oh, is she really that professional though? <laughs> Well, I mean, what type of shows are you going on that I'm assuming they're like in a full-blown studio? Is that what's happening? No, my own shows. When, oh, okay. When I get, oh, no, but you know what? Yeah, when I'm interviewed, it's all the time. Yeah. When I'm being interviewed and all these new podcasters now, you know, they go on the Amazon, they get the full on like the arm and the thing yeah. and the filter in front of the thing. So they visually, I'm like, wow, you look like way more professional Legit. than I do. <laughs> Yo, I was interviewed on my friend's show this week. It's the first one I did in person. Um, I, I, I was on his show. I walk in. Oh my gosh, the guy has like two Sony cameras, a GoPro, Whoa. two box lights, like the cloud lifter, the Joe Rogan mics. And I'm just like, that's it. I'm out of business. Like this, and it was like his second episode. You know what I mean? Oh, like, like I'm like, wow. Like, do I need to like? And so it was just Prime Day on Amazon. So I was like looking up his yeah. old gear set, but there were no discounts. So I was like, no. And the, the funny thing about that Joe Rogan mic is it actually doesn't. The work. Joe Rogan mic. I love how he called it. It's oh. the Sony. The the uh, the Shure SM7B. Yeah. yeah. The Joe Rogan. For those keeping score, yeah. Um, and I think call her daddy. Uh, Alexandra Cooper uses the same mic. So like the thing about that mic is it actually doesn't sound good. You must get a cloud lifter, which is way too technically advanced for me, in order to make the mic sound good. And I'm like, what a scam! Like here you get this expensive <laughs> mic, and it doesn't even work. You need to like go get this other technical piece of gear that has to plug into another technical piece of gear i'm like just get the atr 2100 you could plug it into anything you know <laughs> like yeah it's it's uh so yeah the for those that haven't heard it it's very very clean sounding but it needs a ton of gain 
And so that's why they only use it in studios because they plug it into like these mixing boards and people don't, don't know that when they're home, they're just like, it's so low. <laughs> so typically people get the focus right, the Scarlett 2i2, that's a pretty good sound card. Like you said, too many moving parts in the beginning like when you're trying to figure it out. Look, I have two pieces. I have main pieces of equipment. They make everything so much easier. In studio, I use an H6 and XLR cables and mics. It could mm -hmm. be the Audio-Technica, which is great because the Audio-Technica could be with your computer or can be like in, in a higher-end XLR situation. Or I use my H1 on the road when I'm doing my Women in Tech podcast, plug in with a splitter and a couple like lapel mics and do it that way. And it just like fits in my pocket. Or like if I'm doing Squadcast, I just, you know, remote podcasting, I plug into my USB, the Audio-Technica 2100, and I'm good to go. So it just like, and then if I want to do video, best piece of equipment is the Mevo. And then you have amazing video with amazing audio quality. Is that, that's not the one that follows you around, is it? Yeah, it can if you have it track you, yeah. Okay. So like, and it, the picture quality is incredible and it could be used for live stream or it could be used uh, for normal recording. So it's just so many options. So I just feel like, and then you're not connecting into a bunch of other things and it's not, and you don't have to really have any technical yeah. knowledge. And so I don't know, but as podcasting has gotten so popular, everyone's gotten so fancy visually <laughs> makes me feel like, man. So let's get caught up because uh, if people are, the last time they heard from you was on this podcast, that would be like five years ago, <laughs> four yeah. years ago. It's wild that I can actually say that, that we've known each other that long. That is crazy. And you're not going to be able to catch up everyone on everything. But since then, I think, I think you were just doing women in tech. No, I had We Are LA Tech since 2014, oh, LA Tech, yeah. and then right. yeah. Women in Tech 2015. Yeah, those two, yeah. Well, in March, I was featured in Podcast Magazine, so that's pretty neat. Nice. That was really cool. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to say something I probably shouldn't say out loud, but F it. I feel like now that everybody's in podcasting, I want to kind of move on to the new. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, like I, yeah. when I got into podcasting in 2013, like that wasn't cool. No one was doing it. I remember I pitched it to my boss at the time at the, the one of the few times in my life where I was forcing myself to have a job because like I was like, I why am I putting myself through such a painful life being an entrepreneur? This is ridiculous. And I like made myself yeah, yeah. have a job. Great I've boss. I've gone through those ups and downs. Right. <laughs> and um, I'm like, you guys, I discovered this podcasting thing, I really think your firm should have a podcast. They represented all the top YouTubers. And they're like, nah. And I like ended up leaving <laughs> and I started my podcast. And like, yeah. and I was like, I just have a gut feeling podcasting is going to follow the trajectory of YouTube. And I was right. I mean, I've never considered myself a trend spotter, but let me tell you, between that trend, spotting the trend of YouTube, spotting the trend of Twitter, like now I'm like, okay, I think I have some Clubhouse. I have <laughs> Clubhouse. I think I have it's right. It's true. For me, okay, I got onto Clubhouse when it was ten thousand people on. I feel like I was already late. Like I wanna be like I bought a thing today. Harry, I bought a thing today. I don't even know what it is. It was $10, but it, the guy just created the thing and it, he's on a guy's Twitter feed who I really respect. And he had just gotten his first customer. I was like, F that. I want to be a first customer. So I bought just so I could be customer number two. <laughs> like, like, What is yeah. it? 
I think it's really exciting to be a part of the journey, to watch these things iterate and to grow with it, to be a part of that early culture, to like, to be one of the innovators with it, creating it. I mean, for all intents and purposes, podcasting is still new because I still think Mm -hmm. podcasting is following the trajectory of YouTube. And so for those of who don't understand the early days of YouTube, there were these iconic YouTube influencers and by the way influencers that word didn't exist at the time and nobody would spend money on them i don't believe youtube had advertising these creators didn't know how to make money and then eventually when brands started to like get with it they would start doing these brand deals like these early content creators they're who innovated the business model of what YouTube would become. So now that YouTube has built in advertising and brand deals and the whole ecosystem of YouTube, this was all kind of determined by the usage of those early creators. And so we have that opportunity. We're lucky enough to have that opportunity now as people early in on podcasting The Joe Rogan deal with Spotify, insane. Alex Cooper with Spotify and Call Her Daddy, a $60 million deal, insane. Logan Paul, as as much controversy as the Paul brothers, Jake Paul and Logan Paul, they innovated YouTube with boxing, right? They created Mm. content creator boxing. I mean, I saw this video of like back in the day on MTV, there was an animation of like uh, a cartoon series of like boxing where these animated clay characters of of celebrity boxing. (laughs) But like Logan Paul and Jake Paul made this cartoon that existed like who knows, like 20 years ago or something like real, you know? And And then it was the YouTuber versus TikTok talker now everyone's trying to get into boxing because like and logan paul also he popularized merch right he's really an innovator on in how to capitalize on that content creator economy and so we have those same opportunities now to create what the business models are as podcasters and that's extremely exciting to me so right now the standard way that brands know how to do things are they're like listenership but they base it off of other industries right So they're like, well, in this industry, this is how I do it. Or in the YouTube industry, this is how I do it. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to apply other industries that are proven. And that makes sense because these huge companies, that's the only way they know how to do things. So it's the only way for it to get approvals on the hierarchy with everybody's different like emotional blocks on everything. But the truth is there isn't actually a right way. So whether you want a flat sponsorship deal or a buy listener or a merchandise or whatever else you end up creating, it's still being innovated. So when you hear these like conversation from brands is this is the way we do it. It doesn't mean this is the way to do it. It means this is the only way we know how to do it. So if you get better at like essentially pitching yourself and positioning yourself of why it's valuable to do it in a different way that you think is great for you, the world is your oyster. What are you hearing? What are you seeing like uh, in these conversations? Because as, it's interesting because as newer generations come in, they don't care about the old rules of podcasting or how it was done or, you know, the fact that they're on YouTube and it's a podcast and, and like all these things that we thought about like were interesting early on. Yeah. Even to me. So they're they're just kind of like they're creating content and then they don't really care what it's called and if they'll, they'll call it whatever they want to. And I think and, and they're building the audience. Yeah, I think. 
the main educators in our space, the main wealth of resource to pay attention to is Colin and Samir. They're masters on the creator economy and all the video content and auditory content, everything they produce pretty much just informs us as creators of what the possibilities are and how creators are innovating. So for example- Can you uh, explain who who they are? Colin and Samir, first of all, they don't have a huge following, which blows my mind because they've been doing this for years. Colin and Samir are these incredible YouTube creators, but you see how I even classified them as YouTube creators because they're creating primarily on YouTube, but they're also podcasters, all this stuff. The term like podcaster, YouTuber, it's kind of starting to like merge together a little bit, especially Mm -hmm. in this kind of like audio play. But anyway, they just created a a newsletter called The Published Press, and they report on the creator economy. So in all their YouTube videos and all their podcast episodes and their newsletter content, it's all reporting on the creator economy. So for example, during the pandemic, restaurants were hurting very bad. Well, what creators started to do is they started to form partnerships with the restaurants and then a partnership with Uber. So someone like, I want to say Father's Office or something, but that's an actual restaurant. I can't think, it's an Instagrammer, Father something, it doesn't matter, right? So this Instagrammer created a burger or food line, partnered with a kitchen, would sell her influencer brand, but then this kitchen would be making it and delivering it through Uber Eats. And yeah, I discovered I heard about this, this guy. through Colin yeah. and Samir. No, girl. It's a girl. Oh, it's a girl. Because the guy, again, yeah, didn't yeah. A, a famous YouTuber did, do it as well? He started Mr. a burger. Beast. And Mr. Mr. Beast, Beast created right. Beast Burger. <laughs> Same thing. And then all of the people on his team have a burger customized, right? But it's like, it's about continually. So until this Instagram girl created all these relationships and Mr. Beast created all these relationships, like that didn't exist before, right? And so to plug into the information that Colin and Samir are sharing on their different channels, to be in the know immediately as it's happening, they've, they're doing a lot on NFTs lately because NFT is a huge cra- craze in the creator space. Anything that is about to be incredibly beneficial for us as creators to to monetize our art, our, our creations, like Colin and Samir will be on top of it to make sure we're empowered with the information we need to start develop those kind of business models for our own companies. Would you consider yourself first and foremost a creator? I consider myself an artist. Like I've always described podcasting as painting audio. Mm. So I consider myself an artist and I'm a writer but yeah, an artist, and and I utilize different technologies as my paint to create my art. Yeah. Have you published anything, written, written-wise? Okay, so exclusive, you know, like the exclusive news or whatever. Bow, bow, bow. Exclusive on, yeah, exclusive on the podcast Junkies podcast. So I've been a writer since I was a little girl. And sometimes I feel really conflicted that my path in life is actually not the path that, like I I have dreams of being an author and have wanted that since I was a child, but yet I'm in the tech world and a, a community builder. However, when I really like sit with it, I genuinely think I want both. But what troubles me, I'm very much aligned. I, I also grew up in my father's office playing on the computer. He was an early adopter. So I, I don't think I have to choose one. I, well, I did feel like I had to choose one or another. I'm like, oh my gosh, did I choose the wrong way? But I'm like, no, I just 
chose one of the ways. But what troubles me is that I haven't chosen the other way as well and enough. So I invest a lot um, of myself, of my resources, of my spirit into technology and, and community building within the startup culture globally, but like, and even in media production, right? which to me is still a part of the tech world. My, my dad introduced me to, to video cameras and media when I was young. But to me, all of that, because I built the first action sports social network, which became an action sports media company. So for me, tech and media are synonymous, mm -hmm. but writing isn't. Writing is about, writing is just being an author. It's not about being a blogger. I know that I tweet. I know that I sometimes, I, so on my personal Facebook profile uh, like pri it's private just on my personal one i write these like long posts <laughs> like these like uh, blog yeah. entries i remember a couple of them <laughs> yeah and all my friends make fun of me but for me it's it's the only chance i get to be an author yeah it's that i'm essentially practicing writing my book in my facebook group to my friends <laughs> sorry to my friends <laughs> like you know what i mean so yeah I mean, my mom reminded, she's like, didn't you write a book a few years ago? I'm like, okay, that doesn't count. I wrote like an ebook on how to outsource. Like that is not, that's like psh, tech world stuff. <laughs> I want to write like, like a book that means something. Like I have this book, someone just gifted me the art of gathering, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I've heard. There's another one, show your work. Mm -hmm. There's a great book um, by the founder of Maxim Magazine called How to Get Rich, you know? Um, <laughs> Start with Why, Simon Sinek. Sure. There's these books that, oh, the iconic four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. There's these books that like change lives, that, that have such a deep, profound impact. And I want very much to be a respected and uh, magnetic author one day. And I do not invest the time to be that. I quote unquote try, but I always prioritize my tech life. Like I'm a part of a group called Writer's Hour, which I love. They, they write together collectively at 8 a.m. in multiple different time zones. And it's free. It's amazing. Writershour.com. I just joined this other like Twitter boot camp thing that shows you how to write these like Twitter essays. I'm a part of Scribe, the book writing thing with Tucker Max. Like there's so many areas where I'm like attempting to like advance myself as a writer, but I'm not doing the thing. Like Tucker says this funny thing, I'm probably gonna get it wrong, but it's pretty much, you know how you, you, you know how you be a writer? I'm like, how Tucker, how? You write. <laughs> You know, like, magic. Yeah. And so, like, I'm just not doing the thing. Like, when I show up to the writer's hour hours, like, I love them, but I don't write on my book. I, I do something else, or maybe I'll do journaling, which is fine. Like, morning pages is amazing, but I'm not working on my book. No matter where I turn, I'm just not working on my book. So, I got through the first draft of my book, which is a book on how to create experiences for the tech community based on my experience with uh, doing that for the Los Angeles tech community. And I made it through the first draft. Amazing. I probably should give myself kudos to get there, but I don't. And then that was like, pff, dude, like two and a half or more years ago, maybe three years ago now with the pandemic. Oh, wow. And like, I haven't touched it and I feel this block. And then thanks to my mentorship through the, the writer salon, I meet with this guy, Matt, once a month to just chat about my book. He helped me figure out my blocks, which is 
the audience that I had for my book wasn't actually the audience that I wanted to serve. I want to serve heart-driven people. And I thought I had to serve a different audience. I thought I had to serve people who wanted thought leadership. I'm not really into teaching people how to gain thought leadership. I think that that's gross. I'm interested in guiding people how to create deep, meaningful relationships and helping others to do so, like to, to make it more like a viral effect and scale like human connectivity, right? Yeah. And so Matt helped me come to that awareness. I'm like, oh, my book doesn't have to be about creating these events for thought leaders. Because so I became kind of like a thought leader in Los Angeles, or at least people see me that way, right? By doing all these events. But I didn't do the events to gain anything for myself. I literally did this events to create meaningful connection for others. It was just like a consequence after years of doing them. And so when I wrote this book, I went into it with like, yeah, and Netflix called me to be on their show and all this stuff. But it's actually not the stuff that makes me feel like, like, I don't really care about that. You know, I just think other people think it's cool. So I wasn't being really authentic with my writing. So when Matt helped me discover, look, it seems like you're writing for an audience that you don't actually want to be writing to and you rather be writing to community leaders around the world. I'm like, but what does a community leader need from from me? They already know how to do it. And he's like, that's not true. And then he gave me this example of when he had a community or worked with a community-oriented company and he was very much heart-driven and knew he wanted to build community but didn't know how to do that. He just knew he wanted to. And so I was like, he's like, there's a lot of people out there like me that need guidance. And and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. So I threw up this tweet about mentoring community leaders around the world and it got hundreds of likes. I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, word, this is incredible. So right now that's kind of where I'm at with my book is I have this like tweet out there and I wanna follow up with all the people that tweeted and I wanna understand more about that market and have private discussions of like how I could truly like, be a part of their journey and serve them and help them and guide them and then curate this book, this first draft and mold it into something that would be really powerful and useful for them and write a book about, you know, how to empower community leaders and like what that looks like. And I'm excited. And there's so many books more, but I just, I want to be an author. Like I, I want I mean, I am an author, I guess, or at least that's what Tucker says to do, to write down, I am an author. If you're on Amazon with the ebook, then you're good. Right? I said no. So I want to like, I want to, yeah, I want to be an author, like a real author. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm taking the actions to have the dreams that I've had since I was a little girl. And I, I just, I am not taking the actions that are needed to get to where I'd like to go related to that, which is fascinating. <laughs> are you afraid of wearing your heart in your sleeve? I mean, I don't think so because I'm so openly vulnerable. So what do you mean by that? Well, because in Facebook you are, but then to do that at a, on a bigger stage, that's scary shit. Oh, you're saying that in my private Facebook. I mean, yeah, I definitely, I'm the most vulnerable in my private Facebook, 100%, 100%. I'm also vulnerable in my Instagram stories, but yeah, you're right. I don't, my, if you want the, the, the messy True. part of my life, <laughs> join me on Facebook. What? No, like I, <laughs> I, I actually don't even publish, you know how you could link to your Facebook everywhere? I mean, you could find me really easy, but I don't promote yeah. my face. Like I'm not trying to like have 
followers on Facebook. Like I, like that's my private little where I could be my most candid self and like I'm not going to be, hopefully I won't be scrutinized, you know? I just gave up on Facebook and I make it my, I use it for business stuff. I'm like, hey, look what I'm doing (laughs) because it was just, I just couldn't keep up and uh, yeah, with with the exception of a, a couple of few people like yourself, like who write meaningful stuff, most of it is just like crap. Yeah. In terms of the feed. Uh, and I think I even have a Chrome plugin that you can disable Facebook feed if you're on Facebook. Oh, I have that too. <laughs> Facebook newsfeed yeah. eradicator. Yeah. I have that and I have it on YouTube. Because what you're saying in those posts is what you're feeling. And, and I think some people do it really well. They, they publish a book and you're like, whoa, they said it all. Like, because everyone's life is fucking messy, man. Shit. Mm. I mean, if you think about like, I mean, my fucking past two, three years, man, I'm just coming through it. A divorce and moving and the job challenges and like ups and downs and like therapy is fucking awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's like, I I can't imagine getting through the past two, three years without a therapist. It just, it's just crazy because, and then I feel like an entrepreneurial like adds the entrepreneurial journey adds like another layer. Yeah. Um, So you get the super highs and then you get the super lows and totally you have to be able to like either a talk about it or hear that it's okay to talk about it and just go find someone to talk to about it. Totally. Totally. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe I feel though, like these books, I feel like, why do we buy a book? We buy a book because we trust that they're the expert in that thing. And, and, and that author has, has a master of confidence for then that person with the thing that they're searching for something thinks that by picking up this book, it's going to solve that thing. And, Sometimes I'm scared that, I mean, even when I'm posting on Facebook, I get scared. I do it on my Instagram stories too, I find, these vulnerable posts. Just not as, like on my Instagram stories, I won't be as specific sometimes. Like I'll be a little bit more ambiguous about details. But I'm always scared that displaying my vulnerabilities is going to make me look like I'm weak. And like in a book where you're an author, it's like you're you're a commander, a master of that information. I feel like there's no space to appear weak. If it's a book like a that's going to help someone, a business book. But like if I went to writing a book about community, yeah. right? And I and I shared, it's incredibly hard. Like if I started my book, it's incredibly hard to be a community leader. And a lot of times it can be really thankless and painful and we don't make time for ourselves and we're a kind of breed of people that self-sacrifice really often and we put others before ourselves and and then and we're usually not like financially sustained because everyone just expects everything from us and it's just this certain special kind of human that keeps, you know, going forward regardless of it being so hard and energetically taxing. No one's going to want to be a community leader or read that book, but that's the real story. <laughs> I think there's a, a a better story there, and it may not be in the form of the community book, but, and I don't know if it's age-related. I mean, I'm, I turned 50 last year, so I, I find like more and more I'm conscious of like, not spouting wisdom, not that I have any, but just like being thoughtful about like what I say and just kind of like saying like, oh yeah, I think I know something. I think I can tell someone younger than me like here's five things not to do in life and like it just and it may not sink in it it didn't sink in to me when i got advice from my elders (laughs) (laughs) and i think sometimes we're just like it life is about like going through the shit 
and and then falling on your face and then realizing like you made a mistake and then like shit i don't and then either deciding you want to keep doing it or not doing it and i'm just it's weird when you, i mean i'm i don't know when you get older like oh my partner and i are watching this is us i don't know if you watch that show oh i love this is us it's like my so fave good. show ever that's wait but therapy. they're on that's break therapy. right they did yeah, oh my god break. This Is Us is like a therapy session. I swear I cry in every episode. I feel like all the pain I've experienced my entire is just released every time I watch that episode. So much, like so much because it triggers something you didn't know was there. Like something about your your sibling or your father or your mother or your like relationship. And and, and then like, because I've been caught off guard. Like I'm just watching it. (laughs) You know, my girlfriend's looking at me, she's like, and tears are like running down my face and and i'm like uh i don't know what's happening here but totally <laughs> something just something yo just this is us as church yeah <laughs> but what it's done is like help me like sit in those spaces mm-hmm. more comfortably and that's i remember um six feet under i don't know if you ever watched that show and, i didn't watch uh, it but i know what you're talking about yeah it's, it was so awesome it was like late 80s early 90s something like that i remember the last episode or the last season the last two episodes they showed all the characters you've been watching for like five or six seasons then start to get old yeah and like they were fast forwarding like 20 30 50 50 yeah. years like one's in a nursing home i just started bawling <laughs> just yeah. like like to see like you know because you develop relationship with characters it's kind of strange like you like see characters like sp- yeah Spoiler alert in Star Wars, when Han Solo died, like, I cried. I was like, wait, like, my childhood was, like, being messed with. Because it was, like, in my mind, Han Solo was alive for, like, 30 years, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I was like, so, I'm just, like, it was, and now people are listening, like, I didn't realize Harry no. was so sensitive. <laughs> I also think it's not fair to you, for you to have a spoiler alert on Star Wars. I think you need to edit that out. I think you need to at least bleep that, because it's, like, yeah, not fair. I bet. <laughs> I'll beep. I'll beep that out, um, or just take it out. I mean, if you haven't seen Star Wars by now, I mean, no, that's not fair. <laughs> I want me over here, the movie police. <laughs> There's rules, Harry, about spoiler alerts. Yeah, three second spoiler alert. Yeah, you need to disclaim it. I'm about to give a spoiler alert. <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled on Star Wars, skip ahead. Like that is just how spoiler alerts okay. roll. Even in a blog post. Based on spoilers, it would be like if you don't want The Bachelor to be spoiled, like don't read this. Noted. Yeah. See, you're learning everything on this episode how to properly do a spoiler alert as a podcast host. It's actually that's true. I would just bleep it and and show on the real real of it all. But yeah, I mean, your question was like, you know, writing my book and well, just just um, like honesty, sincerity, like coming full circle like this is us like you watch that and you feel something mm, yeah you know? and, so, like, and that you, was written somebody wrote yeah. that screen that that yeah. i don't know if you call it screenplay uh is that it called screenplay and tv yeah, screenplay yeah, is yeah, the same yeah. thing yeah. somebody wrote that that's like yeah. essentially a book that's now being read yeah and so maybe as you get older you think about if you're gonna do something like have it affect somebody you know mm-hmm. I think it's a great reminder. I always think about with podcasting is how do I want our listeners to feel? And when I teach someone about podcasting, how do you want your audience to feel? And you know, 
I have not once asked myself related to my book, how do I want my readers to feel? I maybe have thought, what do I want my readers to learn? Or how do I want my readers' lives to be impacted? But I haven't thought, how do I want my readers to feel? And I was even having a business meeting earlier today, and we were talking about the core of like, it was really interesting, the core of like friendship and doing this Mm. exercise where you ask your friends, hey, why are you friends with me? You know, I just want to care. And then they'll say, oh, you're funny or whatever. Thanks. I really appreciate that. But like, but there's a lot of funny people like you know what? Like, why do you, why, why me? Oh, because I did it in some other compliment. No, thank you for that. Really appreciate that. But I really want to get it. Like, why? And then your friend will grow tired of your silly questions. And it's like, I don't know. Just if I needed to move, I know that I could call you and you'd always be there and not give me a heart. And you would just show up that you're, mm-hmm. that, that I could count on you. And it's about, so it's not about, you, 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 it's about me, like in the interaction with people. So it switched because the beginning, the friend was saying, you are this, you are that. And then at the end, it's, I feel safe with you. I feel I can rely on you. And it was a really interesting conversation. And it's definitely um, an exercise I'd like to do with my friends because you could get to the core of like how you're showing up in someone's life for them, yeah. like in their identity. And I'm curious like how my book would show up in my reader's life for them or for my podcast listeners, like, you know, I feel X, Y, Z, you know? Because the information, to be honest, like even like po- like with podcasting, like everything that I teach that you teach, like you can find it. Like you can go, you can totally. search YouTube, every single thing about there's you know, 50 pages written about like just that one mic you're holding. <laughs> like Totally. And about the ins and outs and you can geek out as much as you want and find it. But so the information that you're giving in the book, they're going to find it. They're, totally. And so, so you're giving them just like the like the ABCs, you know, I, I think they'll come for that, but then they'll stay or, or they'll be they'll be impacted by, you know, how you make them feel. I think I think that's 100%. That yeah. 100%. I know you weren't prepared to talk about your 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 writing today, so <laughs> I'm happy that you gave me the opportunity to talk about my writing because it's something that's so important to me. Like, put me on blast more. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's literally a lifelong dream. Yeah. But Matt, the mentor I was talking about before, said he read a book. Um, I can't even the 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 War of Art or something. Oh my like god, that. it's so good. I haven't so read good. it yet. Okay. Oh my god. And yeah. he said that the the lesson in the war of art is the things that you want the most, the things that are the most important to you are the th- things that will be the most challenging, cause the most like friction and yeah. because they're they're really important. And so maybe that's what being an author is for me. And you know, because like like what would it mean if I like right now my identity is like podcaster or person in tech and startup and action sports and all these things. But what would it mean to me if like, you know, my identity was like, I'm an author, my identity publicly, Mm -hmm. like I'm an author, I'm known as, I don't know, I can't even like, it's so crazy, you know, because then I start to think about people like, like authors like Stephen King and like all the amazing work he's done. And now his, his work is on like billboards and, I don't know. It's just so, it feels so out there. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of like the imposter syndrome thing. Cause you can think about that, but you can think about it to the point where it just causes you to freeze and not take action. And 
you may be just like the person who writes the one book, but it's the most amazing book. And it's and it's the book that people keep on their shelves, right? Yeah. Just like podcasts, you go to any bookstore. I'm always amazed when I walk by bookstores, the, the few that are still around. I'm just yeah. like, that's a lot of authors in there whose stuff is just sitting on these shelves and people will probably like never, ever, ever wow. buy Wow. And I'm just like, look at all these names and all these books and all these like, and I was like, and that's their, that's their life, probably their life's work, right? They, yeah. They're like, my book is out. And, <laughs> like, yeah. and they probably have like 500 copies in like cardboard boxes in their garage because they bought them all for like bestseller <laughs> promos. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I would just push you. I mean, you, I, I think what, why we're still friends is because uh, the word loyalty comes into mind. Uh, genuine. You're so heart centered and like you can even even on something as silly as like Clubhouse, like you when you're moderating rooms, you're virtually making sure like everyone is taken care of. <laughs> and uh, like, were you like that as a child? Okay, have I been like this as a kid? So what's also interesting about this question, referring back to my meeting I had earlier today, is I don't know if I was like this as a kid, but we were talking about just how we grew up, me and this other person, and the skills that we developed by having the personality types that surrounded us ended up creating skills within us as adults that we maybe weren't aware of, like, he and I are both highly intuitive. Mm -hmm. I've never thought much about it. I kind of thought I was born this way, just being intuitive. Yeah. But he was sharing some, some examples of life situations that he thought led to him developing a sense of intuition. And it happened that his life experiences were the same as mine. Any you can share? No. Okay. Uh, no, unfortunately. But- That's okay. Those, though, having to, especially because now I'm talking about somebody else too, so I want to be extra respectful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's really interesting that like, depending on what what we've had to like overcome and what we've had to deal with and how we l learn how to communicate as children could actually lead to future superpowers. Mm-hmm. Whether it's empathy or compassion or intuition or uh, understanding or strategic thinking, a lot of things are maybe develop um, survival. A lot of things could be developed by different situations that you have to overcome as a child. So, have I always been this way? I'm not sure. I I don't really know. How I was seven, eight. I don't remember being the kid that I was an only child. So I don't remember necessarily being the kid that wanted to share anything. <laughs> like you know what I mean. But or am an only child. But like, but like that I have a sense of intuition for people. So that heart driven thing comes from two places for me: a sense of intuitive thinking, like emotional intelligence of others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which potentially was developed by these situations I had as a child, I'm not sure. And then the second one is a deep source of pain for myself in not being supported in things. So therefore, I want to make sure others never have to experience the pain mm. I've had to experience. Okay. So I don't know if I'm necessary, I mean, yes, I'm heart-driven, but I don't know if that label heart-driven I'm heart-driven as a consequence of being intuitive and wanting to protect people from pain mm. rather than just like 
being heart driven, you know, like I'm not a philanthropist. I'm not like an activist. I'm not, some people say I'm an activist because of my women in tech podcast. They're like, what do you mean? You're full on activist with your women tech podcast. Like, no, I'm not. I felt that I was a very driven young entrepreneur and that I thought all these people on stages had my back and had my best interest. And I was heartbroken to discover that they just wanted to sell me something. Mm. And I was heartbroken that I didn't believe in myself enough and I thought all these other people were or smarter than me. So I wanted to champion people believing in themselves. That Women in Tech podcast is because of my own pain and wanting to champion people believing in themselves. So I don't consider myself an activist. Now, do I become an activist out of consequence? Possibly. But that wasn't like the core motive. Like, I'm I'm going to go be an activist. And I think there are people out there that have this deep sense of wanting to create impact. And then they go search for like, where do I want to apply this need to create impact? Yeah. Yeah. Like, let me go research a bunch of industries and see which one interests me most. Whereas for me, it's, it's opposite. Like I'm like, I'm experiencing pain. I want to solve this thing. And in end, I create impact in end. I might seem like an activist in end. I become heart driven. Do you feel like it's balancing out now? (laughs) No, (laughs) zero percent. No, I mean, that is my goal and dream for myself to be a sustainable community builder, like to re-energize myself um, spiritually and capitalistically. But I'm not there yet. I still default to giving. I still have a very difficult time with boundary setting. Um, I still have a very difficult time with charging for the variety of things. When the commerce happens, which of course it happens because I survive, right? I over deliver to the point that's like unreal because like, Mm -hmm. so anybody who has like genuinely anybody who has the opportunity to pay me is extremely lucky because they don't just get what they paid for. They get like times a billion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so no, it's not equalized yet but in this chapter of my life that is like my my 2021 goal is consistency and like being refueled Mm. it's a struggle like and it's hard because it's not natural for me but i'm thinking about it every day like am i being consistent and am i refueling am i designing things to be more efficient am i enjoying my life do how is my spirit doing i'm thinking every single day i'm reassessing and it's not an easy journey to to transform into the other thing I'd like to be, but it's a journey nonetheless. What's uh, refueling you? <sighs> On a good day, meditation, a morning and night routine, mm. fitness, eating healthy, the basic stuff, you, the yeah. boring basic stuff you hear about, especially the morning and night routine, morning pages, like journaling. Oh, yeah. But like the last few weeks have not, I, I'm not working out right now. I have a, a hardcore committed relationship with straws, chocolate chip chunky ice cream (laughs) um i like i'm not taking care of myself right now so like i'm i'm just saying it real right um so like i'm like all right like are you okay with it like what's going on here what's leading to this what do you Mm. do what do you want like it's a constant like i'll have a few weeks where i'm like on the up and up and then a few weeks where i'm like ah And then, you know, which is also just being human, but I think it's important to that it's more consistent than not. So like, let's say in one year's time, if like, 
eight or nine months out of one year were pretty consistent and stable. And it was just like the two or three months that were like a little off. That's fine. But when you have like six months on, six months off, or like five months on, then more months off, like that's what I'm trying to like transform away from. I mean, it's almost impossible given what we just went through collectively, like the past, you know, 14 15 months just yeah because <laughs> we're like in a routine we're like oh my god so it's okay to stay at home and just like veg out and just like overeat over drink whatever it is and then now people are like out and about and some people are just like in that hazy like i was there i was kind of comfortable there and now everyone's like you know some people are pretending yeah. it never happened it's just a weird weird time like a I, lot I, of people I, are I, pretending I, it didn't happen which makes me so uncomfortable yeah and I, and I think just as a as a collective like we just need to all give each other grace because we we, we weren't prepared for this we're, like nobody was nobody and we're just kind of all doing the best we can some of us are fucking up and some of us are, are thriving and it's just weird and so yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, it's interesting. But now I'm just curious because I, I think it's important because of you getting more and more visibility and, and just I'm, I'm aware of, of how giving you are. And so that's why I, I always think it. And because as, yeah. a, as a friend, I want to make sure that you're like not depleting yourself. No, I'm and, not and it's clear. also like because you don't want to like you don't want to say like, hey, you can give, 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 give. And then like not let people know that you could be getting depleted because yeah. anyone that sees you and is just like, I want to be like a spree. Like, you know, there's like, a, <laughs> totally. A, it's like a 15 year old spree out there right now. I mean, that that's a good point. What I will say though is so oftentimes I think about what do I want my life to be? Like I'm like, I picture myself like as I'm, like going to die and what what do I think when I look back on my life which is how I've traveled and everything because I'm like nope I want to travel and I don't care that I'm scared and I'm just going to do it and so I'd like to adopt more of that person that way of thinking to entrepreneurship because like I don't know what my story is you know so I may be flustered and feel like I'm going through all this stuff But like, I'm very inspired by this Alex Cooper call her daddy situation. Mm. Like call her daddy is this um, really engaging podcast with an engaging engaged community called daddy gang. And um, it's a sexualized podcast, but it's it's really cool. You could tell she deeply and genuinely cares about her community. And I'm sure that fuels her being able to be such a successful podcaster. Plus, she's a brilliant editor and a storyteller, all this stuff. Right. And so she started her podcast in 2018 and she was relatively like broke living in New York City doing that kind of thing. I don't think she was like kind of on the streets, but like, you know, didn't have a, a like, a, didn't have like the world, right? Yeah. But she starts this podcast at her kitchen table in 2018 and within months, Barstool Sports discovers it. Or And when I say months, maybe like a month, maybe relatively quickly, they end up acquiring the show by by like, I can't remember the dates anymore. I have it on my Twitter thread. If you go to at Esprit Devora, you could see it on my, my Twitter. Maybe you'll include the Twitter thread with the yeah, timeline yeah, I'll, I'll put in the it show, in show notes. notes. Yeah. So then Barstool Sports acquires it. In mid-2020, her and her co-founder decide that it's become a highly popular show. It's the highest producing financial asset for Barstool Sports. Like it's like bananas. And I'm sure, you know, it helps that it's a sexualized show. So that content always like you know, has a a stronger kind of reach globally kind of thing, right? So 
her and her co-founder then like are real ballsy <laughs> and uh, decide to that they want ownership back of their show, which is unheard of. They end up falling apart, her and her co-founder, because of these negotiations. In end, Alex does a deal directly with Barstool, gets all the ownership back, plus like salaries, all this stuff, right? And that's mid-2020. A lot of it was possible because of the pandemic. So like Barstool's like, oh my God, this is like our, our bank for the company. We can't lose them. So give them what they want. So we have the, the inflow. And then now by 2021, Spotify, the contract ends. They stay, She stayed till the end of her agreement. She owns the show. Spotify offers her a three-year deal, $20 million a year. I'm sure she negotiated out of that like crazy. And she's young. I don't remember how old she is, but I would say she's probably like mid-20s or something. Maybe she's later. I think she's mid-20s. I'm not really sure. Maybe she's like, oh, I think I think she might be around 27, 28 or something right now. So later 20s. But that's like people like three, four times her age don't know how to negotiate deals like that. Don't have the guts to be like, we're walking if we don't have ownership back. Like, like she had so much guts to get to where she is. But like you think when she started out kind of like uh, all over the place, like like mid 20 year old at her kitchen table trying to figure out life on a podcast that three years later, she'd know she was going to get a 60 million dollar deal like that's inspiring. And the reason why I share that story is because I don't know what my story is. Like in the future, looking back, I hope everything will have made sense. So even though I may be frustrated now, why I'm not where I want to be? Why am I still depleted? Why haven't I figured this out yet? Da, 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 da. But like, Maybe it's not meant for my story for me to be anywhere other than I am right now. Mm -hmm. And maybe like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I will look back and be like, oh, X, Y, Z had to happen. And then check. And this is what it like. Even Logan Paul, again, controversial Logan Paul, the whole world couldn't stand him because of the controversies he had on his YouTube channel and and uh, what happened when he did something that that was really unacceptable and so like the whole world including YouTube banished him and like he got demoted from pay from had hate around the world it was crazy things to, like overcome for him and then he transformed that into boxing cuz where else would people who both love you and hate you want to see you fight? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and yeah. and ended up making, I think it's like over $20 million on this boxing match when he's not even a professional boxer. Yeah. Like, that's like lifetime money, you know? And so looking back at his story now, the reason why his fight was as successful as it was is because he was so hated. Mm. And so not to say that that it's good that that thing happened because it's terrible what he did. But like in the journey of his, like everything is like serving something else. And maybe that had to happen the way that it, it happened for him. Also to lead him down other pathways to be like, whoa, the actions I took were really terrible and I need to be a better person. Let me go educate myself how to be a better person. And then his influence is now able to educate others how to be better people. You know, like we all have one big story and the only thing we have control over is is the actions we take, Mm. but we don't have control necessarily over the outcome. We don't have 
We don't have the power to write our stories. Even the, the founder of Lululemon talks about how he had all these dreams and all these plans for himself and wrote them all down with timelines and none of them worked out. Like, yeah. you know, like... I, is, did you like hear him he, on Tim Ferriss? I heard him. It was a really good Yeah, interview. yeah. I didn't finish listening, but it's really, it's interesting, like, when you could step back and look at life that way. Now, I'm not there yet. I'm frustrated and I'm like, why hasn't it happened yet? Whatever it is that I want to happen, like, why am I not there yet? Why, why do I not... Blah, 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 blah. But like... Maybe this is an important part of the journey and I just don't know the full picture yet. And if I could embrace that, like embrace the journey rather than be attached to my idea of the outcome and just kind of like have this like embrace like my whole life is a story and I don't know how it's going to unfold kind of thing, you know, like maybe I'll feel I would feel a lot more peace. But while I'm in the state of like needing to control the outcome, I just feel flustered. It's really fascinating, and it, I think what I love about this, just this, these are days like I really enjoy being a podcaster, because I'm just like, I have no idea what was going to happen in this conversation, and I'm just like lit up yeah. by, by by the energy of it, and I think it's just, I just want to have this like open dialogue, come, like just have you stroll by like in a couple of months and be like, okay, let's let's pick up that discussion, I want to know what's yeah. going on, and, and I think the story is inspiring, to listeners and I mean inspiring me to me and, and I think it's Aww. fascinating to to see just in the short time I've known you and the people that have known you even longer, right? And they just they're watching and they're just like enjoying what they're seeing you become. So uh yeah. I just, yeah. I just like uh appreciate your friendship. I uh Aww, I appreciate you too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful to to have met you and and, and I'm always uh, enjoy these conversations. I saw thank you. I saw um I saw one of my my friends last night. Uh, he was in town for a second. Who's known me since the start of of my career? Wow! I met him really early on, and and I was telling him, you know, how frustrated I am and all this stuff. He's like, you know what, Esprit? He's like, he because he was really blown away because he hadn't talked to me in a while, and so he like Googled me. He was having me on his show, so he like Googled me. He's like oh my gosh, like, you've been up to a lot. I had no idea. But anyway, like, we're talking, I was talking about how frustrated I was. And and we get to his car. He's like, you know what, Esprit? I just, I feel like it's right there for you. Like, it's there and there's like a wall in front of you. So you just don't see it. But like, all the work that you've done all of these years, it's actually paying off right now. Mm. But like you can't see it yet because yeah. there's a wall between you and and that. Yeah. But I see it. And he's like, and soon I think the wall's gonna go away and you'll see it too. And I'm like, mm. let's hope. <laughs> like Amen. <laughs> but it made it made me feel it made me feel it made me feel really good for someone who has known me since I started my career awesome. to say that about me. You know, like and he's a successful business person and like it just made me feel like hopeful, I suppose, because how I feel on the inside is very flustered and frustrated. Like, how can I work this hard? But um, I think kind of my intent in like hammering that in and sharing all that is there's so many of you listening that have been podcasting for a long time. Why don't I have the numbers I want to have or have been like doing something for a very long time? You're like, why am I not where I want to be? Like, what's wrong with me? And that's the thing. It's like, don't fall for the Google hype. 
like we're all on our own journey and like and like the more all of us including me including Harry embrace that it's just one big story and these like these like metrics that are so that feel so important to us like podcast listenership or YouTube views or numbers in a bank account or whatever like remember Alex Cooper broke in 2018 60 million in 2021 from a podcast like come on anything's possible if that's not inspiring <laughs> i don't know what it is no and i think right? i always tell people like you have to have the blinders on like in horses they they have that because they don't so they can't see left and right and you got to just run your own race like because if you start do, doing the comparison game and especially like in any creator environment yeah like, like podcasting like we could list off all our fellow podcasters that uh, like and, and especially when ones start after us they're just and then they, yeah. they get there like wait you know, I, that there was a formula there somewhere. So I don't know. I think it's inspiring. Like, remember that it doesn't just happen. That's the sure, thing. Sure, sure. Alex has consistently showed up to her podcast. Absolutely. She is hyper engaged with her community. Mm-hmm. She understands the pain of her community. She had the guts. I don't even think I have that amount of guts or courage to do these major deals with these super scary business people. And she just fearlessly, or maybe she was afraid, I don't know, but she, whatever she was, she did the deal. She did the hard work. She overcame, you know, a loss of a friendship with the with the co-host and any emotional stuff that comes with that journey. Like she has consistently shown up for herself as a podcaster, as an artist, as a business person to continue to improve and step outside of her comfort zone to get to the place where Spotify does a $60 million deal with her. So like the question to ask ourselves, like my book, I may want to be an author, but am I showing up to be an author? Mm. And I could tell you with my book, I'm not. Yeah. As a podcaster, I am, you know, but like- that's the first step. Are we showing up to it? You know? And I think a lot of people aren't showing up. Like, we're just not showing up. And then once we're showing up, are we showing up in a way that identifies with the audience like Alex did with her community daddy gang? Yeah. They feel really connected. They identify with her. It's relatable. So, like, if you're not pulling in the awareness, maybe you're not connecting with the right market or maybe you're not being your authentic self or maybe you need to improve something or maybe you're editing your YouTube videos but you're not a great editor or maybe you're the host of your show but you're not a great host and you need to outsource that part, you know? Or maybe it's just not your time yet but like there's this one... There's this one YouTube channel that I find funny. I can't think of the guy's name right now, but he does a lot of collaborations with PewDiePie, uh, who's a big YouTuber, is like the biggest YouTuber. And the guy, why can't I think of his name right now? Uh, What's that cereal that was just had the controversy recently? You know, because they they found a thing in the box. Oh, no. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, pick any cereal right Uh, now. uh, Honeycombs. Okay, so let's say this guy's YouTube channel is Honeycombs, right? Okay, Honeycombs YouTube channel. So he does all these collabs with PewDiePie. He's like a growing YouTuber. And then all of a sudden, he like gets like 
a ton of traffic. He's like, it must be my PewDiePie collaborations. Like, it's working. This is crazy. Anyway, it turns out it was not the PewDiePie collaborations. The reason why he has gotten an influx of subscribers and views after so many years is because there was a controversy about honeycombs <laughs> in in the world. That's and funny. so everyone started YouTube searching honeycombs. And because his channel name is Honeycombs, he got all the traffic. And so sometimes things are unpredictable in that way. Yeah. I was talking about Colin and Samir earlier. They've been working tirelessly for years. I, they're still not at a million views, which is a million subscribers, which is insane to me. But part of it is I think that they didn't know what their consistent connection was with their audience yet. And in the past year or so, they're really going all in on the creator economy. And I think that's their niche. And I think as they continue to pursue their creator economy, now they'll probably skyrocket, or at least I hope so, right? But like, the world is on its own timeline. <laughs> that like we can't control. Yeah. All we can do is ask ourselves the questions and show up. And and if we're not asking ourselves the questions and we're not showing up, we should not be expecting any of the outcomes. That's a an amazing call to action to wrap up <laughs> this round too. If you're listening, if you haven't been paying attention, two words, show up. Esprit, love you. I uh, can't wait to see you. Love you too. <laughs> can't wait to see you in LA. I'll, I'll probably be out there for... Uh, podcast movement, whatever that LA thing is in March. And so that'll be my excuse to get out to the West Coast. So thank you again Four for uh, being honest and vulnerable and, and wearing your heart on your sleeve. Uh, and uh, I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you. It's so much fun and an honor to be on Podcast Junkies. It's like, you guys, I mean, I don't need to tell you guys this because you've been listening, but Podcast Junkies is just like iconic for the podcasting industry. I just feel like... If you're a podcaster and you haven't been on Podcast Junkies, what are you doing? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Whisper, for coming on the show. Much appreciated. I value her friendship, her time, her knowledge, her wisdom, and I'm sure there'll be another repeat appearance in the future. And looking forward to getting out to LA or a podcast conference where we can reconnect again. Special thanks to our episode sponsor, Patreon. Over 25,000 independent podcasters have found a home on Patreon. Your listeners can subscribe to your show for access to exclusive content and benefits, and you earn reliable income independent of ads. Start your Patreon today at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. She always brings a wealth of information, and you can always feel that she's leading with her heart, and she's always looking to provide value for everyone that she comes in contact with. So make sure you check out her stuff if you haven't already. Again, we covered a lot of resources, which I'll provide in the show notes, podcastjunkies.com forward slash 268. Special thanks to our producer, Cedar and Soil, who since 2014 has been the source of this quirky, fun intro and outro music, cedarsoil.com. Special thanks to our sponsors this week, Focusrite. Check out their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlett 2i2 Pro, my favorite, at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite. If you or your company are interested in learning how a podcast can be beneficial for your company, sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15 and tune in next week for my conversation with another friend of the show, someone who I'm surprised has not been on here already, Ever Gonzalez, founder of the Outlier Conference, which I had the pleasure of speaking at in Austin a couple of years ago. And we talked about uh, the events space and his show 
and a whole bunch of other podcast related goodies. So make sure you tune in for that next week. If you made it this far, you're no doubt waiting for the hashtag. Let's go with Icon Esprit as a nod to her appearing as the face of Clubhouse. Icon Esprit and tag us at podcast underscore junkies and at Esprit Devora, E-S-P-R-E-E-D-E-V-O-R-A. So grateful for the time you spend with me and my guests on this show every week. Love you guys. Thank you.